Tonight we're going to continue in our new series on abiding in Christ. And tonight we want to talk about abiding in His purpose. Uh, and we're in John 15. John 15. And uh, I want to begin to, uh, this evening, and perhaps you've heard this story before. I've probably told it before. Uh, you know, like the old guy, he just keeps telling the same story over and over and over again. Well, I'm kind of being, getting to be an old preacher, so I, I guess that's my excuse, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, a man by the name of John Harper. Anybody heard of John Harper? Uh, John Harper uh, was a Baptist preacher in Glasgow, and many years ago he was on his way to a preaching engagement at the Moody Memorial uh, Church of Chicago. And he was there with his six-year-old daughter and her aunt, Miss Jessie Leach. And they were on their way uh, to America, so uh, they were going to come across uh, the ocean on, guess what ship? The Titanic. And uh, this was not uh, John Harper's first brush with disaster. In fact, when he was two years old, he had fallen in a well and almost drowned. Uh, his mother rescued him, resuscitated him by holding him by his heels while the water poured out of his lungs. Uh, when he was 26, he was swimming in the ocean when he caught, was caught by a riptide and barely fought his way back to shore. At the age of 32, he found himself aboard a ship in the Met crew gave up. And uh, uh, so he bore other difficulties as well. Uh, in summer of 1905, his health broke under the strain of his pastoral labors, and friends grew alarmed at his failing health. The next year, his wife Annie died, leaving him with his daughter Nina. But Harper was a man of deep faith. He said, The fear of death did not for one moment disturb me. He said that after one of his narrow escapes. And he went on to say, I believe that sudden death would be sudden glory. Well, John Harper was born in a Christian home, May 29, 1872. He was saved at the age of 13. By the time he was 18, he knew that God had a special mission, ministry for him. And through working at a local paper mill, he found himself preaching the gospel to whoever would listen, often standing on the street corners after work and proclaiming Christ. And after several years of personal evangelism and street preaching, he was recruited by the Baptists to oversee one of the struggling mission works. And there, Harper labored for 13 years, watching the church grow from 25 members to over 500, building a sanctuary that would seat 900. Uh, he was known for intense prayer life. And some nights, uh, he would stay at church all night, pleading with God for his hundreds of members by name. Well, in 1910, he was called to Walworth Road Church in London, where his preaching skills flourished. The church grew rapidly, and souls were added to the kingdom. And uh, there came an invitation then from the Moody Memorial Church uh, in London, uh, and uh, while he was uh, uh, there in, and to preach in a special winter series of messages, and so he was going to make the trip with great excitement, and the Lord so blessed his ministry that he had hardly, uh, was hardly home, and the Moody Church contacted him again 
and asked him to come back for a second series of services. Well, it was a hard decision because of his London flock didn't want to lose their pastor for another three months. You see, when somebody went across at that time, it, was a, it wasn't just a quick flight. And uh, so the one man, uh, Mr. Robert English, pleaded with Harper not to make the trip, saying that while in prayer he felt an ominous, uh, ominous impression of impending disaster. And he offered to pay for a new ticket if only Harper would delay his trip. But Harper was compelled to go. He boarded the Titanic on April the 10th, 1912, and four nights into the voyage, Harper stood on the deck admiring the sunset. It would be a beautiful, uh, it would be beautiful in the morning, he said, and he was seen later in that evening witnessing to a man, and then he went to bed. Well, of course, in the wee hours of the morning, he was jolted awake as the Titanic plowed into a massive iceberg, quickly wrapping Nina in a blanket, he carried her to the deck and secured a place for her on the lifeboat. And when the ship sank, Nina was saved in a lifeboat, a lifeboat number 11, sitting on her aunt's lap. And for many years, she could not speak of that night. But before her death in 18, or 19, 1986, she told her, remember the lights of the ship going out and hearing the screams of the dying. Well, what of her father? Harper took off his life jacket, gave it to another man, shouting, let the women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. And when the Titanic sank, he tumbled into the freezing waters where he perished. Well, months later, in a church in Hamilton, Canada, a man rose saying, I was on the Titanic the night it went down. I was thrown into the icy waters and managed to gra uh, grab a spar and hang on for dear life. Uh, the waters were icy. And suddenly, a wave brought a man near. It was John Harper of Glasgow. He, told, uh, he, he too was holding on to a piece of wreckage, and he called out, Man, are you saved? No, I'm not, I replied. He shouted back through the darkness, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And the waves bore him away, but a little later he was washed back alongside me and said, Are you saved now? He called out, No. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then losing hold on the wood, he sank. And there, alone in the night, with two miles of water underneath me, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I am John Harper's last convert. John Harper was a man who knew his purpose in life and to tell as many as he could about the love of God. And even in his death, he was leading others to the Savior. I wonder, do we know our purpose in life? Why has God put us here on this earth? What is the purpose for our existence? In John 14... And verse 30, we see Jesus indicating that his earthly ministry would soon end. Look at John 14, just a few verses back from chapter 15. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world, this world cometh, and he hath nothing in me. And with that thought in mind, he then told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come to be with them. You go back to John 14 and 
verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So Jesus Christ is telling his disciples that he would not be able to walk with them or teach them much longer, but his Holy Spirit would come and indwell them as believers. And this is what Jesus meant in John 15 and verse 4 when he said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. So as a Christian, as a believer, today I can abide in Christ and know his indwelling and his leading. It's a great joy to abide in his person. And yet the more I abide in his person, the greater my desire to fulfill his purpose in my life. So a relationship with Jesus Christ will change your very purpose for living. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. In a larger sense, we are all called according to the purpose of God. And the question tonight is, uh, you know, have you come to the place in your Christian life when you say, Lord, I no longer want to live for my own glorification, for my own pursuits. I want to have your purpose in my life and bring some fruit into your presence. So the first thing we notice here is the purpose of the abiding Christian. The purpose of the abiding Christian. What is the purpose of the life of someone who's abiding in Christ? We'll go back to verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it, that it may bring more, uh, bring more fruit. Uh, you go all the way down to verse 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So God's purpose in our lives as believers, as Christians, first of all, is to bear fruit. Our purpose is bearing fruit. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, it says, And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they may be not unfruitful. No. Favorite passage, of course, of mine is Psalm 1. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, abiding in Christ and his word is to be planted by the river of living water. And the natural result of that is fruit bearing. So being born again, we are to live near the waters of Jesus Christ and the word of God. And the Christian purpose, that's a Christian's purpose for existence, and that is to bear fruit. 
You know, if you live in the desert areas, and maybe, uh, I know some of you lived in Arizona before, but you live in a desert area, to have a yard survive, it must have daily watering. It must have a sprinkling system. You can't let it go for a day or two. You need irrigation system in the desert. And just as sure as grass in a desert needs water, not once in a while, but every day, so you and I must abide daily in Christ if we're going to bear fruit. Our purpose is to bear fruit. And then also abiding in his person will lead to knowing and fulfilling his purpose. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall still bring forth fruit in his old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Some older folks might think, well, I'm too old to bear fruit. I've done my part. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that we are planted in the word of God and in the house of the Lord, and we're to bring forth uh, fruit in our old age. We will be flourishing as a spiritual vine bearing fruit. Now, if God were finished helping us, uh, helping you produce fruit, he would take you home. But he's not done with you yet. The very fact that you're alive tonight is evidence that God still wants you to produce fruit. And we're not left here merely to make money or to have a nice home or drive a nice automobile or have a comfortable retirement. We're here to produce fruit that pleases Jesus Christ. Now, we might... Well, ask ourselves, and just what is that that God has left here to, for me to do? What is my purpose? What is his purpose for my life? Well, the Holy Spirit is the vine dresser. He's the one who comes into our lives and teaches us what we need to learn. Every time God's word is opened and preached, the Holy Spirit begins to tailor-make the message for each one of us as individuals. You might hear a message different than the person sitting next to you. There might be something that God is impressing upon your heart that he's not impressing on someone else, but there may be something that God is impressing upon their heart. See, the Holy Spirit is working because we're each indwelt by the Spirit of God, and we need to ask God to teach us through the Holy Spirit. So the purpose of the abiding Christian. Secondly, the product of the abiding Christian. Verse 4 and 5, it talks about fruit bearing in the Bible in, involves more than leading people to Christ. Now that's important, but it's more than that. That's just a part of a bigger picture. Fruit bearing is Christ's likeness. Uh, we read verse 4, but he said in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So what specifically is meant by fruit bearing? Well, there are a couple of different, or two different definitions of fruit bearing that you find in the Bible. There's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I think most of you could, if I hadn't put these up on the screen, you could have listed those. As you've, uh, you've, uh, you know Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 
the Holy Spirit flows through us, the sap flowing from the vine to the branches. And so you bear fruit in your character. Much like the trees in the spring produce leaves and fruit, our lives should bear fruit through the Spirit of God. There's the fruit of love, God-like love. And, uh, you can learn a lot about love, this kind of love in 1 Corinthians 13. It endures all things. Uh, do you get easily offended? Do you show impatience? Well, that means you're not being controlled or filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, if there's lovelessness, that's evidence of not abiding in Christ. Then there's joy. It's not just happiness, but it's an inner spiritual joy. There's peace or tranquility of mind uh, from God. Not tranqu tranquility from pills, but from God. And it brings stability and strength no matter what the circumstances of life. Long-suffering. Someone has defined this as steadfastness under pressure. You know, ever observe two people going through similar trials? One may be facing unemployment and family problems, but they are still faithful to church. They're still faithful to, their, uh, to the family and uh, to the Lord. Another man might have a similar trial, and he's disgusted with church and his family and with God. Uh, he does not have a compliant spirit. He becomes bitter and angry. What's the difference? Both claim to be Christians. Well, the joyful man is abiding in Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit. And that's long-suffering, the fruit of long-suffering. Gentleness, Holy Spirit-generated kindness and ease that expresses care and compassion for others. Goodness is the opposite of evil, desire for good things. Loves goodness more, than, more and hates sin. Faith, that's going to be de developed in a person's life if they're uh, bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that will build and strengthen you. Meekness, someone again has said this is power under control. Giving Christ preeminence, death to self, the flesh, grace that guides your words and actions and attitudes. And then temperance, often referred to as self-control, strength and grace to control one's emotions and spirit and desires. Now, the need of the world today certainly is Jesus. The need of Christians is to abide in him. I think there are many testimonies that could even be given from this group here tonight on how abiding in Christ produces the fruit of the spirit. And so, the fruit of the Spirit is one of the products. The other product, it would be bringing others to Christ. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of a righteous tree is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Soul winning is producing, reproducing other Christians. You cannot abide in Jesus Christ without having a desire in your life to see other people saved. It's a part of your spiritual growth. Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And the fruit of the Spirit will affect your temperament, 
your personality, and the way you respond to everyday situations. Maybe you didn't know this, but church attendance is not fruit-bearing. You say, well, I'll go to church every week. You know, I, I, that's not fruit-bearing. Church attendance places you in a position to cultivate the soil. Cultivate the soil so that, that there can be fruit. Now, it's the preacher's job sometimes to show you how you can pull out the weeds of sin. But only the Holy Spirit can bear fruit. I can't make you bear fruit. I can just give you the Word of God. And you let the Spirit of God use the Word of God to work in your heart and cultivate the soil of your heart so you receive uh, the Word and the Spirit of God can, can do its, His work. Uh, not everyone will produce the same amount. But there's, there's a couple of things that are products of the abiding Christian. The purpose, the product, and thirdly, the praise. The praise of the abiding Christian. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. A Christian who abides in Christ will bring glory to the Heavenly Father. And our praise, people who would praise us, will be deflected to him. Uh, in two ways. Individually, if we... Uh, you know, receive praise, it needs to go uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. We don't take credit for it. We give the glory to God. And even as a church, uh, we, uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God uh, as individuals and as a church. Uh, in fact, we do not w really win souls, do we? We don't save anybody. Uh, we may give some offerings, we may help build some buildings, but uh, uh, we don't. Uh, we don't really. Uh, uh, those things are to be used of God. We let God get the glory. Just because we give a big offering or we help build a building, that's for the glory of God, not for our glory. We don't say, "Look what I did." No. The more spiritual fruit we bear, the more we'll glorify God. Bearing fruit, winning souls, God gives, receives the glory, so praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now, our purpose in life is to bear fruit. Faith without works is dead. Uh, no spiritual fruit means you may not be saved. So we need a relationship with Christ. Matthew 13, verse 23 says, he that received seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Not everybody brings the same amount. Now, John Harper knew his purpose in life. And he, it's evidenced by the love he had for his daughter and by his concern for the lost around him. I wonder if we would have put ourselves in his place at that point. He was still trying to get people to trust Christ. And yet he was losing his own life. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit fell from his branches on that day in April 
1912. And a man was watching Mr. Harper, and he was saved as a result of his testimony. So we need to realize that people are watching us. They're looking at our testimony. I wonder, will they see a person abiding in Christ and abiding in his purpose? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word once again and the challenge that it is to our hearts and lives. We pray, Lord, that uh, we'll examine our hearts tonight and and we pray, Lord, that uh, uh, we'll be a fruit-bearing uh, people. Uh, we'll see uh, people coming to Christ. We'll be exhibiting the characteristics of Galatians uh, 5, 22, and 23. And uh, we'll be fulfilling the purpose that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for this time in the Word tonight. May it challenge our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, uh, 